0: It's Lisa Corduff. Welcome to the podcast where you can expect inspiring, raw, energising and transformative conversations with people on the path of personal evolution. I'm here to really live my life. And if you are too, these conversations are just for you. I'm really glad you're here. Enjoy. Well, happy International Women's Day. Here we are. Um, recording this a few days beforehand with two of my favourite people in the entire universe and who are regulars on this podcast and I couldn't think of two better people to bring on to have a conversation about women and where we're at and what they're hearing from their communities and what they're doing in their really important work in the world. Welcome Samantha Sutherland, Amy Taylor-Kabaz. It's time for a conversation. (laughs) Let's do this. Uh, because I mean, I'm talking to you all the time, both of you, and the conversations that we're having at the moment. <laughs> I mean, I think we should, Amy, where we left off last conversation, which was just a few hours ago when we were going to record this as a solo podcast, was like, you know, we can't get stuck in the anger. Um, anger is a stop on the a train station stop, but it's not our final destination. <laughs> yes. Both of you, I have conversations where we can get really just angry about the state of the world for women right now, can't we? So, can we just acknowledge that first? So, maybe just sharing one or two things that you feel a little bit angry about or that are getting to you or bugging you about where we're at right now,
1: us women. Who wants to go first? I'll jump in if you like I can start. Um, I also want I want to start by acknowledging that everything I'm going to share in the next 45 minutes also comes from the spaces that I'm in and I don't hear conversations outside of the spaces and so acknowledging that there are very different experiences in very different places amongst very different women around the world at the moment so everything I'm about to say is within that context. I you and i were talking about this earlier today lisa and just acknowledging that i think post covid but also in this world where everything is up for negotiation the the blinds have been lifted you know we have all seen what is really going on here i get a sense within the women and the communities that i'm in that there is a level of burnout and resentment And a little bit of, and I'm sorry, everybody, to be so negative to start off with, but there's a little bit of hopelessness. Um, There's a little bit of, well, we're just back here again. And so um, when I think about the conversation that the three of us can have here today is we absolutely acknowledge why we're here and how we got here and that it's there, but I hope we can feel a little bit more hopeful. Yeah the end
0: yeah we're definitely moving there but I think our I think a lot of the conversations that I'm having with women in my communities and just friends in general it's like um it's like they knew and I spoke to this you about this too Sam it's like the COVID years and the flexibility that ended up coming with that in terms of working from home and that kind of thing. And having someone else on board, no matter what, the capacity changed our, changed many women's expectations of what was possible. And maybe we're receiving some support. Well, I mean, I know your research sort of showed that it was actually just a much harder time for women, Sam, but it did change the context of, ugh, God, well, it was kind of nice when I wasn't having to do every pick up and drop off myself or when I wasn't responsible for doing all of this blah, 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 blah. And now it's just, now it's me and it sucks and I'm cross and I'm
2: angry about it because I know it can be different. Well, yeah, and I think what you're talking about is exactly what I was going to say, the things that I'm feeling angry and also feeling a lot of anger from other women about is so, you know, when I look at my kind of north staff where I want to take women, it's to have them live in a place where they feel fulfilled and joyful. And the fulfilment is both at home and in the workplace. So when we are overloaded at home, we can't take on responsibilities that might actually interest us at work because people feel like they're actually fully at capacity. And then also you can't do anything fun at home if you're just stuck in domestic drudgery. And I think, you know, the burnout and resentment that you mentioned, Amy, I'm seeing that everywhere. And in fact, every couple I know of is fighting And in, in this stage, this stage of life where we're like bumping middle age and have children and often have quite long partnerships by now. I mean, all three of us are post-divorce, which is kind of funny, but um, the people who are in longer kind of partnerships are feeling like, why are we still talking about how much shit I'm doing in the home and why do we have to keep having this boring conversation and you know i think that that covid flexibility definitely start it changed how workplaces operate and we are seeing that really like continuing post covid but it also really just embedded this expectation of overload like it normalized overloaded women so working really long hours doing all the parenting and yes men were at home um, and often more involved But we also still noticed a very typical setup where, you know, the guy was locked in the office all day and the woman was sitting at the dining room table. And so all the dynamics didn't change in a major way. And then the other thing that I've seen is that post lockdowns, I mean, we're not post COVID at all, but post lockdowns, there was like this huge ramping up of of extracurricular activities, so lots of kids' parties, lots of sports, lots of adults' parties, lots of trips away, lots of travel, lots of of everything. And so you take a group of women who are already totally exhausted from the years of the pandemic and the years leading up to that then you let them have flex which meant they were flexible to work till 11 o'clock at night if they needed to because they had been caring for the kids all day and then you ramp up the non-work activities that are happening and I still really feel like we're in a very similar situation of many women looking after everybody before themselves feeling exhausted feeling overwhelmed feeling burnt out and like you said Amy with the hopelessness like there's not a clear solution because what we do have now is flexibility but we can see that that's really putting the load for this systemic issue back on the individual and so it's not not fully solved anything yet.
1: Yeah if I could add something in there I started a little pop-up membership in March 2020 that was meant to go for six weeks because we thought we were just going to do six weeks. (laughs) staying at home and I called it returning home and women all over the world mothers all over the world joined and I think back and then we ended up running I've only just closed it in January this year like that's how long this went for what we didn't expect but I remember the energy back in March 2020 and even for those first few months it was Oh, this is what we needed. This is a reset. This is a chance for us to reprioritize and revalue our lives. And this is going to be good. The world's going to be different on the other side of this. There was this real hopefulness of, I actually think, although this is terrible and scary and horrible, for me, myself, my family, this feels like a good reset opportunity. And I think we carried that through 2021. And by the end of 2021, we're like, oh, holy hell, there is no reset here and it's just going on and on. And I think that's the energy that a lot of us are feeling. That, And I can only speak for myself and also the women I listen to. I think we thought it was going to change and it didn't. And now we're back to what we were doing, but we're even more tired. And that's what that energy is at the moment. Yes.
2: I do think from a corporate flexibility perspective, there has been material change. Um, and I think that although, like I said, what it does is it allows the responsibility for systemic issues to land on the individual, it does still give individuals a bit more flexibility, ability to do things a little bit differently. And we have seen that that flex is extending to men as well as to women. It's not just, it's much less that just mums, working mums are taking up flex now. So I think that is, that is a big positive that, you know, whilst we started with anger, let's also talk about some of the things that we do see that are actually changing for a positive. But yeah, I think everyone remains exhausted, and a lot of the arguments remain the same as pre COVID.
0: Well, I, you know, I did the survey on women last year, and and I can remember thinking it's not surprising, but it still is very confronting. And all yeah. three of us are actually working in the space of like kind of knowing that something different is possible and mm-hmm. each in our own ways, just digging, digging, digging to try to find that thing that, we, that will almost kind of set women free or give them the fulfillment and joy that you, are, that you want for women, Sam. And Amy, I know yours is a lot about just giving women language and awareness mm-hmm. for what motherhood does to us so that we don't feel like we're going crazy and we don't feel alone amongst it all. And for me, I guess I've always been about how can we really, really make things super simple for ourselves to have what it is that we want, what's getting in the way of us having what we want and i've spent a decade trying to give an individual these
1: mm.
0: these ideas these skills these concepts um simple frameworks that they can put into their lives and i think what happened to me in 2022 was that and i think definitely now this year with a kid who started high school so navigating the life of Just being a mum in today's world with wanting to give my kids the opportunity to play sports and have friends and do all this and this and this. It's like, even the tools that I have and the simplicity in my life and everything, it's like, it's like, am I, I'm still fucked. It's everything hangs on such a tight rope of just. You know, any release of tension, and it's like, whoa, my gosh, what are we? What's I,
2: I haven't. Do you know what I mean? Like, well, I, yeah, and that's that's exactly. We've talked about this before. Like this, the interaction between the individual and the system. Yeah. So you can give, and Amy, you talk about this too. You give yeah. women individual tools, but you also talk about the systemic the range, barriers that we The system. Yes. Yeah, which is why which is why we face this stuff. Like if we didn't have the systemic barriers, we wouldn't need any individual individual no. solutions to them either. And so I think what happens is when you like hit your limit, that's when it's suddenly like, Oh, right, like there are forces greater than me. There are forces greater than my ability to simplify my life yeah. and because you know, we all live in a capitalist structure where you have to have an income. And most people who work for a, like, for a salary, the hours are fairly set from, like, 8.30-ish to 5.30-ish. And how do you reconcile finishing work at 5.30 with kids' activities where they need to be collected from school, fed, changed, and at the activity by 5.30? You can't do it. Mm. And so that's when you get this, like, tightrope of, like, oh, my God, we're scrambling to make it all work.
0: Yeah. And I definitely feel for myself, I try to keep my work as flexible as possible, but it's the headspace that is required for my work. Like I'm finding I've got all these ideas. I came to 2023 with so much energy and enthusiasm for all of the stuff that I wanted to get done. And there is this just navigating as a a solo parent, how to make that work Mm. with the like. And Amy, you and I were talking about this before of thinking that when they got a little bit older, it was going to get easier. But it doesn't seem to be the case.
1: No, it doesn't. And I don't know. I mean, I'm sure my parents would have told would would agree that my teenage years were the most horrendous. But um, <laughs> we still perpetuate this idea that the baby years are the easy are the hardest, and then you know once you have the basics like sleep food routine in place then your life is going to be freer and for all of those listening with little ones I'm sorry to say that that's not necessarily the case I mean for some it is it's is the case for me just to I give some to people some hope. Yeah, there. it's a beautiful sweet spot I think I've been in you're, a beautiful sweet spot yes, yes you're in a beautiful sweet spot and we also aren't going to be negative about it because it's just rolling with whatever this amazing journey of parenthood brings us right. but I think when I think about this, I think that we have to have such kindness towards ourselves because gener- generationally never before has so many things been crumbling at the same time. So, you know, just reflecting personally today, I've just come from um, a funeral of a man I didn't actually very know, but a father of a very good friend. And so they're standing up and they're telling his life story. He was 83, I think. And he was talking. They were talking about how his mother. He was born in 1940, right before the first sort of um, wave of panic in London. That the World War II was starting, and so she. He was the youngest of five. The father had already enrolled in the war, and she was on her own. Gave birth on her own and had to decide what to do with these five children. Does she run to the flee to the country or stay in London and hope like hell they don't they survive? And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, Amy, (laughs) maybe (laughs) like, okay, life is hard. It is. But I'm not afraid that a bomb's going to drop on us tonight. However, also, there is a very different level of changing structure in our world that does to our nervous system and to our kids and to our sense of responsibility as parents feel like that a lot of the time. It does actually feel like the world is changing like it did in 1940. I do believe we're in a state of time of history where so much is crumbling. You know, we question the school system. We question the way we talk about things. We, we question everything. There is an uncertainty within us. And so it is incredibly overwhelming. And it does feel like every day, what do I need to do over here? What do I need to do over there? Oh, my God, what's going to happen to interest rates? What's going to happen over here? I'm not comparing it to having a bond dropped on us. But I do historically think that when we look back at this time in history, future generations are going to say, hey, they were born during COVID or they did this during this time where governments and systems just kept crumbling around them. I do think we need to be kind to ourselves with what we're going through.
0: Yeah, for sure. But I think it's also uh, that our bodies, I remember hearing years ago, Nat Kringudis gave a really good example of, uh, um, to me, what an issue is for so many women, which is just Staying in that low-level stress response all the time, like, oh, did they remember their library books? Like, is actually It's not bomb, but our body doesn't clock that unless we're really good at regulating, and I think that's why there's so much talk at the moment about nervous system regulation because we've kind of realised that this low-level stress is causing huge implications to our health mentally, hormonally um uh, physically our relationships n- n- it's like you can't ha- and and how do you beat that unless you move to the top of a mountain and just <laughs> pretend that there is no life so we actually do as individuals need to take ownership of the level of stress and what we clock as a stress and what we don't all the time but it's like uh you know interviewing Christy Goodwin about her book Uh, about our digital habits like it's just it's it's everywhere and it's coming at us all the time and it might not be world war three but it's still impacting us and we have to be well I mean we can be responsible but we can also see that we exist in a world that that's just our reality right now. I I think all the time about how to do this in a way that limits my stress and the kids' stress, but it comes anyway.
2: It does. And I think that this ties in, you know, when I talk about people feeling fulfilled and joyful, like it actually all really relates to this too, because when your whole life is taken up with, do the kids have their library books? Does everyone have how do I how am I gonna to to work on time? Am I delivering enough? What am I gonna and then even I'm gonna jump back online and blah 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 and like they're real like hamster wheel of modern life that it's quite hard to get off like you said unless you're moving to the top of the mountain. Um but when we take time for ourselves to do the things that like feed our soul, you increase the amount of capacity you have to deal with the stress. So when you do things that like give you a good dopamine release that isn't the sort of fake dopamine hit of scrolling on Instagram, but like I love horse riding or going bushwalking or really like time away for yourself, then I think that that helps regulate that um, stress response. And I think women generally aren't sort of very, they're not, we're not, we're not historically empowered and supported to take that time. And so you have to be quite forthright to take it and make sure that you just take the time for yourself and take time away from your kids and. Enforce, you know, your partner looking after them, even if in the face of potential reluctance. Um, And I think that then increases your capacity.
0: I 100% agree, and I feel like (laughs) I've been saying this for so long, and women (laughs) find it hard to understand and really go for it. But here, so here's where I think let's shift the conversation into the lessons that we learned. Sure, there's now this feeling of, you know, resentment or anger, frustration. But what do you think? This also this awareness of what we've been through, the opportunities that it's now giving us. What what do you think is possible now that you maybe didn't see for us four years ago? As a collective or personally? As a collective. Well, you could talk about yourself personally or just, yeah, in general.
1: Um I feel like there is this um there's a there is the beginning maybe not for everybody yet but i feel like there's the beginning of a activation to change things so um what i mean by that is everybody whether they're in their own business whether they're not whether they're a stay at home mum whether they're not i just sense this feeling of oh, ah not I'm going to do something about this. And I don't feel like that was there as strong a few years ago. Like I spoke about before, I think there was a hopefulness that has now sort of petered out. And um, I shared this story a, a number of times in my various different programs, but I interviewed a phenomenal American author called Caroline Mace many, many years ago, who, um, has been interviewed by Oprah a number of times as a phenomenal spiritual teacher. And I jumped on a call with her. This was back in the day. This is literally probably seven, eight years ago. We were on Skype, jumped on a call. And just before we started, I know back in the day where everyone used Five. Skype. Yeah. And I was interviewing her for a magazine I was writing for at the time. And um, she came on and there had just been another school shooting right before we started the interview. So she was incredibly activated, incredibly angry and um it was before I don't even think we had Obama by that stage it was a quite a long time ago anyway what she said to me at the time I've thought about over and over again she has said she looked at me in the eye across Skype and said Amy what we're witnessing is a crumbling of a system and it's going to get rocky and it's going to get scary but the ones that but who will change this the ones that just start changing it within themselves first and then and refuse to keep going with the way that it's been another one of my teachers dr athen at columbia university says it's like she said to me it's amy it's like they did in the 70s where they sat down in the middle of the road refusing to be um to go to vietnam war hell no we won't go i feel where we are now Maybe only at the beginning of it, but I do feel like there's this activation amongst the women around me. I'm very privileged to have very amazing, activated women around me, but I do feel like there's a sense of hell no, we won't go. We're going to change this and it's going to be us that has to do it. So that's mm-hmm. how I feel it is at the moment.
2: Yeah, I agree with that. And I think that the conversation around this stuff is like, it's like the pebble's been dropped and the ripple is mm-hmm. growing. And so I was just thinking about a number of um, uh, a number of people that I follow online in various forms, where they specifically are talking about like the liberation of mothers. Um, so you know, I think the sort of typical mum blogger back in the day was like, here is how you can do it perfectly, and here mm-hmm. is how you can present it perfectly. And now, now there's a lot more like there's that done Chat who talks a lot about gender dynamics in the home and is really, like, hard-hitting, I, I love her stuff. Zorn Villanis is a writer who talks a lot about this stuff as well. There's Mother Honestly who also is talking about, like, how overstimulating it is and how overwhelming. And there's another one, The Freckled Hand, I think she's called, where she talks about mothering is actually about relationships. It's not about care work. It's not about labour. It's about relationships. And so I think that there is this, like, extending, um conversation about changing the dynamic of motherhood and what it actually means and, like, what we deserve to have as mothers is also our own interests and also our own joy and also our own time and also time off. And, you know, Leonian Dawson wrote about this years ago when she had her second kid. She said of her first, because she, won, you know, did, like, gentle parenting approach, and she said, I was willing to fall on the sword of motherhood to, to, to parent my child gently without realising that if I fell on the sword, then who would be left to care for the child? And I think that that conversation is growing a bit more now where like extreme self-sacrifice doesn't do your children any favours either. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that's an area of opportunity. Fair Play is another one where she talks a lot about rebalancing the domestic load, which is what, you know, when I talk about fulfilment for women, it's both at the workplace and in home, like no one likes doing all the drudgery. But she also talks about, Um, the thing that she calls unicorn space, which is like the stuff that you love. And so I have a couple of issues with some of the things she says in that book. And she does say, you know, maybe aiming for 50-50 care and domestic load isn't, she doesn't use the word reasonable, but she's sort of like, maybe that's not really possible. But what she does say, which I really endorse, is that the time away from the family and the time looking after yourself and your friendships and your needs should be measured, it should be tracked, and that should be even. So we should not have this thing of guys going off for an eight-hour golf day every day on Sunday and the mom's left with the kids again and she fits her, like, art project in the corner of the living room in five-minute increments when she's got time off from the kids. And I think that is a really important one, like this conversation about, like, reclaiming your time. Uh, Um, And if you have to do it forcefully, we have to do it forcefully because otherwise who are you? Just a shell of who you used to be and who you would like to be.
0: I... Yes, absolutely. To everything. I, and I, because this is sort of a lot of the work that I do, I mean, last year, when we launched the 30 days, 30 ways series, the first one that I created was 30 days, 30 ways to make life easier. So just every single day, just something to, that will help you make life easier. And we sold a lot of those. The next one that I put out was 30 days, 30 ways to fill your cup So, like, give to yourself. And do you think that's sold nearly as much? And this shit keeps me up at night. Like, what (laughs) is Because where you're at, Sam, is a level of acceptance and understanding of how uh, valuable taking care of yourself is to the overall, not just to yourself, but to your overall family unit. And I think that there's still a lot of women who haven't made that connection, who are still in the story of martyrdom, still in the story of I'll give until there's nothing left to give to everyone around me. So prioritising themselves is actually actually quite a big step. Do you see this too, Amy, that like breaking? Yeah,
1: it is. I see it so much. And also... To be fair, it's not just a story. It feels like a well, truth with yeah. a capital T. It's, it's not, it's not it, it, you know, yes, it's a story, but also they look at their calendar. They look at how, like, to be completely transparent, every single day I get into bed at the moment and think, excuse I'm going to swear. So if you've got kids listening on speaker, mute it for a second. Every single day at the moment I get into bed and I think, fuck, I forgot to do that thing for my kid because each of them have such high needs at the moment in terms of extra appointments extra help extra things I was meant to organize that appointment that I forgot to make all of it and so it is absolutely a story shift it is absolutely a mindset shift but it's also a daily freaking reality for us and this is why what all three of us do is so challenging and therefore so rewarding (laughs) because We're coming to it from both. We're coming to this individual belief that this is the way it is and I can't change it and I can't see any way out of this. There's a stuckness there. And also acknowledging that we get it. You don't have any freaking time to think that you could do anything else. And so it's it's a catch-22, right? It's both. But unfortunately, we are unlikely to change the system (laughs) as much as we need to. In the time frame we need to need it to be, and so again, it does come back to us of saying, "Okay, I don't know how I'm even going to fit this in. I don't even know how this is possible, but something needs to change, and I probably can't change patriarchy just yet. So maybe I'll have a look at what I can do by filling my cup a different way." Well, if I can add to that too,
2: Amy, one of the things you talk about, which I think is really important to to bring up in this moment, is also. The messages that we get from society about what we are supposed to do as a mother. So it's not just, we. yes, we are really busy and we look at our calendar and we can't do anything. We feel like we can't do anything about it. It's like a lived truth that we are at capacity. And the message that society sends about what a good mother looks like, which is this is straight from Amy's course, the Mama Rising Facilitator Program, is about being perfect, putting everyone else before yourself, um, still looking good, keeping trim, get being well dressed, cooking healthy meals, getting the kids to school on time, making sure they've got lots of enriching activities after school. The message is about self-self-sacrifice. And so the reason why I think it's important to talk about the system in all of these conversations is because once you can see that, okay, the message I the strong message I have that I need to put myself last and that it's really hard to even take on this 30, 30 ways to fill your own cup is partly because of this indoctrination that I've had from birth about how my goal now is to find a guy who will choose me to get married so then I can have kids so then I can look, look after everybody else. When you start to see the system, then you can change your life and the way that you show up within it. Mm-hmm. I read Koa Beck's, um White Feminism and I felt like blinkers had been taken off. Like, she explained stuff that i some of it had been at the edge of my thinking already but she explained stuff in a way that i hadn't heard it before it's like that all that of course that's why that is it just unfolded the explanation for everything and then you can be a revolutionary in your own life because you know what you're fighting against it's not just against yourself and like your own stories you actually see the system it's
0: so true and i and i definitely think that for for us where we found ourselves on the other side of our marriages and all three of us also thinking about how we want to live or whether we want to live with men and in what capacity in the future. It is so it, it, we, it's so um, exciting but also destabilising when you realise you don't have to do shit. The way anybody else, like you get to actually craft this the way you want to craft it. But it's that those that indoctrination is so deep and so pervasive that it almost feels like you're a rebel in the world if you just choose to not have, um, you know, nuclear family
1: type aspirations. Yes, mm. I actually said this morning to Lisa that uh, I feel really sorry at times for our three men for our three partners. I'm just thinking <laughs> the same thing. They, you know, I mean, obviously they all knew what they were signing up for, but did they really know what they were <laughs> signing up for? Because holy hell these three men are being daily confronted with our questions of I don't think I need to do it that way. And no, that's I've been there. I've done that. I want to do it differently. And I just think these three men have, you know, if if karma is real, they've definitely signed up to something. (laughs) I, I, I just
2: think the exact same thing. Like my partner's just moved in with me. And we are having very regular conversations at the moment about who's doing what, what the fair distribution looks like. Like I just... I just know and
1: I mean to be okay. fair to me. I, I now. found I mean,
0: this on the web it's Ray White, what is it? Check it out.
1: What is that? <laughs> Someone activated my Siri. I thought oh. we were talking about Ray White. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: um, so weird. Okay, continue on, Sam. You're having very sorry. regular conversations.
2: <laughs> oh yeah, about like what equality looks like in our home. And also, you know, to be fair to my ex, we actually had a very equitable partnership. Um but what I know is that I have no interest in signing up for the domestic drudgery that I see all around me. And yeah. once you're in it, it's very hard to break out of it. But also the thing about the stories we tell ourselves and allowing ourselves to, to let go, I'm finding it interesting to observe myself where mm-hmm. like he's taken over all the laundry in the household. I mean, there's still some teething issues with that are happening, but largely he's doing all the laundry in the household. But initially... I would see, you know, the laundry be on the line because he's at work and I would find it really hard to not, I just brought it in a lot of the time because then I'm thinking about the neighbours and, like, we share the line and the garden so I don't want them to think that I'm not putting the the laundry in and, like, but also it's like I'm here and so I'm just having a break and having lunch. I could probably do it anyway. won't take it. But actually it was like an internal battle to be like, no, no, no. If I want him to do it, I have to really, really just have him do it and stand by that, not let that boundary be blurry because, I don't want it to be blurry. I don't want to be doing all the stuff. I want him to contribute. So I need to make space for that.
0: Absolutely. I have helped many women over the years to just lean into dropping their standards for having it done to a level that they are happy with because, you know, it. who wants... I don't want to be doing everything and I am exactly like... Getting it right or doing it in the most timely manner is often ours to just kind of let go of and let it happen. In saying that, there's also total incompetence going on in
2: households. Let's be real.
0: So many, yes, yeah. so many. Like I mean, we talk about that and can get angry about that. Um, but before before we leave, I just wondered, like, this will go live on International Women's Day, and. If you had sort of one core message, if you could speak to the woman who you both really want to help activate and, you know, feel feel differently as a result of the work you do and the messages that you share, what would you tell her? What does she need to hear this International Women's Day? Well,
2: I would say that... Um, Once you become aware of the fact that the system is working against you, you can start to figure out what I was saying before about being a revolutionary in your own own life and your fulfillment and joyfulness is up to you to cultivate. And so when you have an awareness of what's actually happening around you, you have the language and you have the tools to start talking about it, advocating for yourself and also giving yourself permission to find the things that make you joyful, to decide what type of career you want to have, to decide what your home life looks like, and yes, if you choose a non-conventional path with that, it'll be a difficult. It might be a difficult adjustment, but then at the other side, then you're back to being you again. You're not just someone's mum and wife and daughter and employee. You have a you again, and I think that that journey is a hundred percent worth it to go on.
0: Oh, love it, Sarah.
1: So beautiful. I really don't (laughs) have much to add to that. That is such a beautiful message. I think if I was to add anything, I just want to say, I'm sorry, we're still here. Like I really, you know, everything you've just said, yes, it's up to us to advocate for this and far out. I wish it was different. I really do. But I do believe it will be us that changes the system. And so find girlfriends like this, find places and spaces where you can have that conversation. You can Get off the train for a second at the angry station and have a little dance around, but then get back on the train and move towards an empowered way of feeling joy and fulfillment in your life and in your relationships and in your home and in mothering. I wish it was different, but it is going to have to be us that says, hell no, we don't go. We're not doing this anymore.
0: Yeah, I love those messages and I love you both so much. And I think if I was to add anything it would be that I've become really acutely aware of the language that I use around my children and also that our changes and our choices and our desire to have a joyful, fulfilled life is being watched by our children. And the ripple effect of that is so, like I just hope this isn't a conversation that they're having and anything that we can do, like even I you know, haven't been feeling super well and just using language around when bodies feel tired or like they're not working well, rest is the first thing that I do. And leaning into support, even from our children, like showing them it can be a different way is, I think, like a very revolutionary act because it wasn't our modelling and we need to change the model. And because I am Lisa Kodaf, I always think it is small things that we can do always to just tweak things up a little bit, just shift your morning routine. So it actually works for you. And it's not just about racing through everything and then just getting to your coffee and feeling like what the hell just happened. You know, it is, it is, it is those, those choices um, are there within the daily life that we're living. But I think what we needed to acknowledge in this conversation was that we're not making it up, that it is hard, that it is all, it can all feel like it's hanging on by a thread. And uh, I am grateful to both of you for sharing your reflections and passion. Uh, this International Women's Day, because I lean on you two so much in my life and you are wise and funny and so hot as well like just really <laughs> really attractive so, so
1: appropriate for international women's day to comment on what we look like
0: celebrate foxy women you know we should <laughs> we've all got it <laughs> what you look like i think that i mean i hope that that's a conversation that starts a lot more which is a conversation that maybe you three and i can have on the podcast on another day when we're feeling Please. loose anyway it's school pickup time as um is you know a perfect way to end this conversation <laughs> yeah. is the um obligations that we have to the people in our lives thank you for being here
1: thank you guys thank, you. thank for you the
0: actual best okay bye Yay. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. I have a quick favor to ask you. Firstly, if you got value from this podcast and you know someone else who might be interested in listening, it helps so much when you go ahead and share that you have enjoyed the podcast. You can do that on your social platforms or even when you're just chatting to your friends. I so appreciate that. And the other thing, I know it might take like 30 seconds of your time. But we love reading your reviews of the podcast. You can go ahead and do that on your podcast platform of choice. It really, really makes my day to read them and to know that this stuff is valuable to you. Thanks again for listening.
2: I really do appreciate you being here.